Coming up on Abounding Grace. Time and time again, I and the other leaders here have walked alongside so many of you, training and teaching and encouraging you to strengthen yourself in the Lord. When other people's words don't help and your devotions seem dry and you don't even believe the simple truths that you once believed, it's important to encourage ourselves in the Lord. This is amazing grace. It's time for another Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. On today's broadcast, we'll return to our study in the Gospel of John, and we've reached chapter 20. Can you imagine what you'd have thought if you were Mary Magdalene or one of the disciples who went into the Lord's tomb and found it empty? That's the scene we'll look at today. Here's Pastor Ed with part one of his message, Jesus is Alive. Chapter 20, we start a new chapter today as we are on the end of our study in John. We're turning a corner and the finish line is right up ahead. And we left off in chapter 19 in a very sorrowful time. It's a very difficult time uh, at the burial of Jesus Christ after he dies on the cross. Notice with me in chapter 19, verse 41 in John's gospel where it says, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had been yet laid. And they laid, there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Now this is no small thing. We read through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as it is theologically, as it is we're just reading through the scriptures, but this is no small thing. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, have lost their best friend. They've lost the one that they completely committed their life to. They are not just going through the grieving process. They're not just going through the the, the process of seeing a friend die. And then that next level of seeing their friend die viciously and torturously. But in all reality, when they sealed that tomb in their minds at this point, they lost everything. They lost everything. Jesus was everything to them. In every sense of that word, they left their careers, they left their families, they they left their future, and they set it in the man who they believed to be Messiah. And even though Jesus taught them over and over again that he would die and rise again, as you'll see in a moment, they still aren't at that place of full understanding. And we read the Bible sometimes just so antiseptic, so clean, And we hear of these things repetitively over and over again. Jesus died, rose again. Jesus died, rose again. And we forget the reality of what the disciples and what the followers and those that were close to him were experiencing. I mean, we just learn that his mom is there watching her son die. And Jesus, one of the last things he does is give care of his mom to John. I mean, there's a lot of emotion going on 
in this text. If it was put into a movie form as it has before, the, the music behind would be very dramatic. The scene would be very dark. There would be in the background tears and weeping and wailing. They would show in the distance the disciples walking away thinking that they've lost everything. And in a very real way, in those moments, that's exactly what they felt. I mean, this was no, not just a friend to them. This wasn't just an acquaintance. This was one, someone you text with and see every... They just finished spending over a thousand days, day and night, thousand days plus, living and following and learning from this man. It was like... Recently, it brought to mind on Friday, I did a, a hospital visit. I visited a man, an older man, a former pastor here in town, uh, who's, I'm connected with his son. And I met this man. I visited him a couple weeks ago in the, in the um, assisted living that he was in. And he was doing really well and stronger after a stroke. And now he's taken a turn for the worse. And he's in the ICU. And as I'm going in and visiting and praying with him, as his son was walking me to the elevators, uh, as we were turning the corner, there were the doctors that were coming in, an anesthesiologist and a doctor were coming into the room and were going to prep him for a procedure. And my buddy was telling the doctors, please take care of my dad. Please be careful with him. Please. And he's pleading with them to take care of them like, a, like, like, the, like his dad. And he used this phrase with them. He, he looked the doctor in the eye and says, please take care of him. Please be gentle with him because this man is my hero. And that is... The, that, that really contains the feeling that we have at the end of chapter 19. Their hero has died. Not a, not a comic book hero, not a fictional hero, but truly everything that they live for up to this point in life has been buried. And for three years, or excuse me, for three days, they're going to be wrestling with things because that's where chapter 20 picks up three days later. And other gospels fill the time in for the three days. But John picks up on verse 1 of chapter 20 on the first day of the week. Which, by the way, what is the first day of the week? Sunday. We're on it right now. We'll get to that. It's going to be important in a future study. But just remember, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Who's the other disciple? John. Thank you, John, for reminding us that Jesus loved you. And we'll see John has a few things in here again, but he's the one that Jesus loved. And he said, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, she says, and we do not know where they have laid him. So those are words of concern. Even as Jesus prepared her for his resurrection, she's concerned. Where is he? The body is gone. Mary Magdalene had such a great love for Jesus. She had such a great affinity for what he has done in her life. Jesus literally rescued her from herself and from sin. Literally. 
I was reading in the newspaper yesterday, I, I, got a, I get these alerts of, of different articles that catch my attention, and one of them was from Minnesota, uh, from another pastor friend of mine. It was an article in their newspaper uh, online about a woman uh, who was caught up in drugs and caught up in all kinds of uh, crazy lifestyle that found herself walking into a Calvary chapel, and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, her life was utterly transformed. And it, it was attributed in that article that a lot of what God had, had done in her life was through a pastor uh, teaching her the Bible at this Calvary Chapel. And I remember it was so good for Mary Magdalene. I mean, it was so encouraging to be reminded that Mary Magdalene's story is continuing even on to this day. God is still delivering. God is still saving. God is still rescuing. And it wouldn't it be good if the Denver Post would just give us one page every week that we could give a testimony of God's deliverance in their lives? Wouldn't it be with all the junk that's going on, of all the things, you know, just, just blatant, blatant. When you're watching the news as we did yesterday, you can only just conclude. It's just blatant evil. It's just evil. That you just you label it evil. And now, you know, if you're listening, if you're if you own the Denver Post or you're like in charge, give us a page. But but please also let us have that page on the internet because most people don't read the newspaper anymore. So, you know, I know 20 people get the post still at their, at their, on their garage, you know, on the driveway there, but we want it on. And I know, I mean, if, if you had to say, if, if you had to say today, if I asked you, do you have a dramatic rescuing story of Jesus Christ in your life? How many would say that's you? So, so we, could fill the, we could fill the year right now, just one year, once a week. And now some of you didn't raise your hand. You go, well, not me, Ed. What will my story be? Listen, your story is just as dramatic. Like, for example, everyone that we just all raised our hand right now, God actually delivered us out of stupidity, out of sin, out of destruction. And that's dramatic. That's huge. But you guys, some of you, that you didn't raise your hand, you go, you know, I was just kind of raised in a Christian home and, and I did pretty well my whole life and I avoided that. Your testimony is just as dramatic because while we were delivered out of it, you were delivered from it. And so don't think for a moment, you know, I want to raise my hand one day. I think I need to go get a testimony. You don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. You have one. You have one. Because God kept you from stupidity. And take it from us. You don't want to experience it. You don't need to experience it. And it would be cool because this little newspaper in Minnesota, they, did, they, they put a page just for testimony. And so Denver Post people, if you work at the Denver Post, Go to your editor, do whatever you need to do. Go right upstairs and say, hey, my pastor said he wants a page a week. Give it to him. <laughs> and I know we could fill with all the churches in town of the change and the radical change that's happening in people's lives. That's Mary Magdalene. She was demonically possessed. And Jesus rescued her, changed her. She was a mess. It's beautiful. She comes to the tomb on the first day of the week and, and it's empty. Came to pay her respects. The one that forgave her, the one that loved her, the one that served her, the one that wasn't embarrassed by her is gone, his body. So she runs to Peter and John to tell them the bad news. And Luke tells us in his gospel, let me read it to you in Luke 24, 9, Luke says they didn't believe her. 
And then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And listen, this is what it, this, this event, Luke describes it this way. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. There's a, there's a crisis of faith here. There's a crisis of having to deal with reality in the midst of grief. And I, I, have to, I have to remind us today that it's easy to dismiss good news when we're discouraged. It's easy for us to focus on the worst when discouragement comes and knocks at our doors, to be weighed down by the cares and concerns of life. I've learned this, I'm sure some of you can agree. If the enemy can get us discouraged, then he's got like 90% of the victory right there. If he can just, it's like one of the most well-worn tools in the devil's toolbox is discouragement. And just being able to, 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 be, to see life circumstances in a way that is bummed out. You might call it depressed. You can call it discouraged. You can call it just you don't have any strength. You don't believe the word of God. You don't believe, you're jealous. You're covetous. Of what other people look happy. You don't, all of that sure does render a believer idle in a life. I remember, you can jot it down, I'd encourage you to read it later in 1 Samuel chapter 30. David, in one of his discouraging times, it's described for him that he despaired of life. You know, the Amalekites, the enemies of God, had come and sacked the city, stole all the stuff, but, but what they stole that was of great value was the wife and kids of David and his mighty men that were out fighting a battle. They come back to the city to find out that not only is everything gone, but so are their wife and kids. And it ticks off the guys that are with him, and they're very mad at him, so much so that they want to kill him. And that bummed him out. David hit an all-time low in his life. He was just coming out of a backslidden experience. Now he's out battling. Now he's lost everything. And the men that has been, been with him, the men that have served with him, the men that have fought wars with him, now they've turned against him. But David does something, and we've studied this in depth. I've even taken this scripture, this section, and made a, a, a topical Bible study out of it. So you can go to the website or the app and search for it in First Samuel. But David does something in verse 6, that's so powerful. It says, when everybody is, when, when you don't have anyone to turn to, and here you are distressed, and nobody's answering the phone, and nobody's returning your text message, whatever, you, you just feel alone. David said, the Bible says of David, that he encouraged himself in the Lord. And that's a skill we have to learn. In another translation, I think the New King James, it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. And time and time again, I and the other leaders here have walked alongside so many of you, training and teaching and encouraging you to strengthen yourself in the Lord. When other people's words don't help and your devotions seem dry and you, you don't even believe the simple truths that you once believed, it's important to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And we have to be careful, church, with what the Bible calls the cares and concerns of life. We may not think that they are that big a deal, but they are. Jesus shares with us a couple warnings 
of how the cares of life have a way of choking the life of the Spirit. The cares of life, things like paying the bills. You know, there's only so many, more, so many months you can go through when you're unable to pay the bills before they start to weigh on you. The cares and concerns of life, the health of your marriage. You know, there's only so many weeks and so many months that you can endure in a difficult marriage, just the everyday cares of life, just sharing life together and cooking and cleaning, and especially when there's difficulty in your marriage where you start to weigh you down. There's so many, so many times, I remember uh, in the corporate world, how many times the, the, our bosses and the company, whoever up there was making the decisions, would always use the word layoffs as a way to motivate us. And you can only get so many memos that if productivity doesn't increase, we're going to have more layoffs. And then watch the layoffs come. And I mean, you can only have so many times your boss says, you know, if you don't do better, you may not be here. And the cares and concerns, or perhaps you're unemployed right now, and, and you're looking for work, and it's just basic. You just want enough to p- provide for your family. You just want to, and the cares and concerns weigh you down, or your health. You know, the doctor keeps going, you keep going through and that it's not a super serious sickness, but, but it's serious enough where it's just lingering. The cares and concerns of life, Jesus warns us of how they can discourage us if they get all the attention in our lives. And it's hard not to give attention to the cares and concerns of life because the cares and concerns of life are like breathing. They're with us all the time. And you might get one area improved and then another area falls. And then that gets improved and then this area fails. And Jesus warns us, listen, uh, turn over. Let, let's, not, let's read it together. Let's go over to Luke chapter um, 8. Luke chapter 8. The cares and concerns of life. In this case, the care and concern of life with Mary Magdalene is grief. It's grief. It's the loss of her of her mentor, her hero, her deliverer, her Messiah, her Savior, her close friend. Jesus warns us about the cares and concerns of life. Notice, he he describes when the seeds were being planted in verse 14. He says, And the one that fell among the thorns are those when they have heard, that's heard the gospel, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and then they bring no fruit to maturity. Turn over to chapter 21. Jesus uses the same illustration for us to be careful of the cares and concerns of life, to match that with faith and trust in the Lord. Notice verse 34 of Luke 21. Now this is an interesting one. I want to pause just briefly on it for us. Jesus says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness. Let's pause there for a second. Carousing is a a word that we would use today, partying, the party scene, the club scene, maybe the, the social scene. If you're not into the younger crowd parties, you got the older crowd parties. And, and you're going out and you're carousing and you're drinking and you're trying to escape and enjoy a good night and just have a good time. He says, 
be careful. Don't let your heart get weighed down by these things. Don't go out and solve your problems through drinking or through drugs, and whether it's legal alcohol or it's legal marijuana, or now it's uh, in part of that article I shared with you with that young lady, one of the things that she got caught up was, uh, was the opiates. And she would go from doctor to doctor with legal prescriptions, trying to work her way through, although she lied to the doctors, to get her OxyContin, and she got addicted to them, and she was just weighed down by the addiction. I think that most of us would say, Ed, I get it, man. I don't, I won't, I don't want to be weighed down with that stuff. Uh, and I know from my background, I stay as far away as I can from it. I don't want anything to do with it. It wrecked my life. And we would all agree, I'm not under the party scene, man. I don't want to get drunk every night. Okay, but now notice what Jesus says. Don't let your hearts be weighed down with partying. Check. Drunkenness. Check. And then notice he says, the cares of this life. He puts them in the same category. Drunkenness, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. Partying, no, I, I'm not in, I don't want to be in that environment. I know that, that I'm susceptible and we're like, oh, stay away, stay away. But then he puts cares of this life in the same category. That's the effect that the cares of this life can have on you and me. To distort our reality, to blind our vision, to sink our faith. Life easily weighs a person down, turning us uh, turning it into fear, anxiety, discouragement, ultimately, ultimately depression, and, and on and on, rendering a believer useless temporarily for the kingdom. So what does Jesus say? He says, come unto me, you guys that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. But cares and concerns of life, that's where they are back, if you come back with me to John chapter 20 the cares and concerns of life. Now, turning the corner a little bit, I noticed too in this section that it's a blessing to see that the first witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ were believing women. Because women in that day and in many ways in our own day are not well respected or cared for. And in that day, they were very much devalued in the eyes of those that were important or those that were deemed important. But women, I want to remind you, I want to remind you not only from the Bible and what the Bible teaches, but from our own hearts, that we appreciate you. We appreciate all that you do for the kingdom. We appreciate you single moms that are holding fast the fort in your home. We appreciate you moms that are working full time and also raising a family. We appreciate you moms that are staying home. We appreciate you women, you single women that may not be a mom yet, that are persevering in your patience. We appreciate your va the value you bring to the body of Christ, the value. Listen, listen, moms and women, we would be nothing without you. So thank you very much. Thank you. And I mean it. I'm not messing around. I mean it. And in our society, even still, you know, there, there are different methods and ways that people try to bring equality. But listen, the Holy Spirit already has taught that you're equal and valuable and in many ways are so much more valuable than us. And we appreciate you. And I think God wants you to see that the very first people at the tomb were ladies, faithful women. Now, men, we got to step up our game a little bit in being faithful. We need to step up our game. It's unfortunate, but in many churches today, women 
are running the church because the men won't step up. And in many cases, women are running the home because men won't step up. And certainly that's an inequality that God would want to also change so that we serve together. And that's where they come back to the leaders. The women come back to Peter and John, and they don't even believe them. Well, we've been in the Gospel of John today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the book. To hear today's study again, just visit our website, AboundingGraceRadio.com. There you'll find our podcast, Pastor Ed's blog, a place to contact us and even donate to the ministry as the Lord leads. Again, that's AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is to download our free app, Do a search for Ed Taylor and listen to Pastor Ed when it's most convenient. And this month, we've picked out a book we think you'll enjoy. It would even make a great gift or a stocking stuffer. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the identity of the child in the manger, focusing on the hows and whys of Christmas. It'll serve to reaffirm your faith and help seekers pursue solid answers about the first coming of Christ. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your year-end giving to the Lord. To request The Case for Christmas, please call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or visit us online at calvaryco.store. Again, that's calvaryco.store. Glad you've taken time out for our study in the Gospel of John. We'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.